Timothy, what's up, man? Dude, what's up? Thanks well, for having I'm, uh, me. I'm glad you're on, dude. Uh, we were supposed to record this actually several weeks ago, and yeah. you had a little physical accident that left you unable to record, so I'm really glad you're you're recovering. Dude, I'm glad I'm alive and able to be on here, so. Yeah, you, uh, you left me a message the day we were supposed to record, and you were like, well, I'm in the hospital, I'm recovering, and I just remember responding like, take care of yourself, we'll touch base. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, we might be able to to follow up on that later on the podcast and see if there are any life lessons involved, but I've got got Timothy Wenger with me. He is the founder of The Man Effect, and some folks might know who you are, uh, some folks might not, so give us a a 10,000 foot view of Timothy and give us a 10,000 foot view of The Man Effect. Yeah, so I'm a... I guess currently I'm a nomadic entrepreneur um, and uh, I've been trying to build a couple of businesses, but regardless on the side, I've been working on the man effect and growing it for the last five years, I think now. And um, it started out as a photography project where um, I've been interviewing people, asking them if you were to describe what it means to be a man in one word, what would it be and why? And after I interview them, I take their portrait, throw it up on my site and give all the details. And after interviewing hundreds of people, I realized some patterns and, you know, things like that. And I started to think I should start writing about this and actually make a website. And so I did. And um, that's kind of the overview. And my hope is to just kind of give authentic, raw material for men. I mean, and women, I guess, if they read it. But so just, you know actual good meaty material that's not just like how to get laid or how to get in shape so (laughs) which is 99.9 percent of the stuff that's targeted at men (laughs) yeah or which deodorant to wear anyway yeah so yeah so uh, okay so how did you get the idea for this because that's a so you and i got introduced through paul arnold yeah and you know when he initially sent me your information i thought okay this could be interesting and then i actually started exploring you know, the manifest and what you were doing. And I thought, man, this is one hell of a social experiment. So how did, how did it come to be? It's actually kind of a funny story. Like at the core, one of my buddies, who's a graphic designer and coder, him and I were like, man, we should like collaborate on a project. And he was super into fonts at that time. And I was like, well, maybe I'll go out and take photos of neon lights on strip clubs and we'll evaluate them. And so somehow that led to us being obsessed with words and like the symbolism um, in photography. And then at the same time, I was really having a lot of inner questions about masculinity um, because no one really had any answers for me. It was a lot of just, you're just supposed to know through um, growing up in a culture, you know, you just, the culture somehow interjects into your life, how you should be. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. No one's answering my questions. And so on top of that, I was like, I really wanted to have a good uh, project to start f- with photography because I wanted to get better because most good photographers have projects. And um, so somehow my buddy, he, he got busy. So I was like, man, I'm still going to do a project. And somehow I was like, why don't I combine masculinity and photography and with the words and stuff like those neon lights, somehow I came up with the the question it just came in my head. Um, and I was like, man, I'm going to do that. And I'm just going to interview people and I'll just see what happens. And that's what I did. It was so weird. So, so what did happen? Well, I 
started out with myself and then my dad. And then I burned through as many friends and family as I could. And then I uh, started hitting the streets and, um, you know, I grew the Facebook page for a while and it was just fun, man. I was trying to do, you know, one a day. I was a little inspired too, I would say, by the uh, Humans of New York photographer because he put out a lot of content and I liked how it was very, you know, just him talking to people. And so I was trying to kind of duplicate that kind of feel as well. Um, But working a full-time job and trying to do that kind of wore me out. And so I kind of cut back and started writing more and it was just, it's just been really fun. It's created a lot of conversations and I've gotten to ask that question to, I don't even know how many people it's just insane. So so you mentioned earlier that there were a lot of patterns and what you saw, what the answers that folks were giving you. So what were some of those patterns? Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't run the statistics yet. I, I still need to do the whole spreadsheet, but uh, like the words integrity, safe, um, strong or strength. Uh, there, there's a lot of words that people chose because I was like, you, you, you can choose whatever word you want, you know, and then you tell me why you chose it. So I wasn't like, well, someone else, else already chose that word. And so I saw, I saw a lot of people choosing the same word and initially I only asked that question and and I realized I wanted to start asking follow-up questions. So I started asking people, you know, um, after, you know, if you were to describe what it means to be a man in one word, what would it be and why? After asking that and we talked for a while, I'm like, well, here's a follow-up question. You know, who's the manliest person, you know, Ooh, what will people describe? They would describe the word they had just picked in someone that they respected in their life. So it would be a grandfather or an uncle or a teacher. Um, You know, some people pick their their mom. Like Mm -hmm. it was really, really interesting. And so it was fun for me to see almost all – I don't know the percentage, but it was a really high percentage that the words that we people choose to describe what it means to be a man is directly correlated to the person in their brain that they respect the most as being manly. Um, And so I found that to be really fascinating and I enjoyed that. Um, Another pattern I noticed as well was people generally choose words that perpetuate or grow personal respect, community respect, and like macro respect. Mm -hmm and or respect or integrity you know and so it it was just really interesting to start seeing that um the classic i don't know cowboy-esque uh man people still want to become and they think that that's kind of in their brain i'm not sure if that makes sense but no that makes total sense and it's interesting the three words that you pointed out were integrity safe and strength so Mm -hmm. you know integrity what that really encompasses to me is just almost a sense of honor your word means something Uh, somebody that you can trust somebody that you can also go to for advice and know that they're not full of crap yes I, i mean seriously and no, I'm when totally you with you. Yeah, and when you mentioned that grandfather or that uncle, that 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 almost stoic individual that I'm imagining as you're describing this, or the word safe. Mm-hmm. You know, as kids in particular, if you know we have a strong male figure in our life, that that is probably the person we feel the safest around. Um, exactly. If, if you're if you're five years old and you're scared of a dog, you're probably running to dad mm-hmm. to protect you from the dog. Um, mm-hmm. And then strength. I mean, there's just so many different aspects of that word 
that can be utilized in such a positive manner towards the people around you if if you use that masculine energy and that positive positive you know uh focus exactly uh, I, I am curious though okay let's flip the script a little bit how many times will people say you know uh rude misogynist um toxic words like that when when you would ask them what does it mean to be masculine yeah, man. I mean, honestly, I was really surprised because going into reaching out to people on the streets and through online and stuff, I expected a more negative response when it came to masculinity and people defining it. Um, I I don't have very many documented negative responses. I think I have two. Um, out of how many? I'm, I think I'm around three or four hundred. I haven't I haven't counted yet, but. One woman, I remember she was like, she used the word misogynist. And I was like, that's great. If you, if that's what you want to choose, can I take your, your, your portrait? And she's like, no, she's like, I hate men or, you know, like whatever. And I was like, but I mean, I understand that you don't like them, but that this is my, for my project, I'd really appreciate it if I could take your, your portrait. And she just didn't want anything to do with it. Um, but honestly, I expected that a lot more. And when I was interacting with people on the sidewalk or in parks or wherever, um, I was amazed at how open they became when I actually was just like, hey, this is what I'm doing. I've asked tons of people this. I'd really like to hear your opinion. And they just kind of like go deep within and then open up. It was really interesting. Um, so so why, why do you think there was such an overwhelmingly positive response? Because the question forces you to um, evaluate the positive masculine roles in your life. Hmm. So you were asking both men and women. Yes. Yes. I have. Okay. Yeah. Did you try to keep it about 50, 50 on how many men versus women you'd ask? You know, I tried, uh, women obviously didn't want to answer it. So they're like, well, I'm a woman. Like, why should I have a definition? I was like, because you do. And I would like to know it. And so it was, it was harder to convince women actually to answer it for me. Um, but I tried to, keep it more balanced, but it's, it seems like it's about a, I'd say like 60, 40 probably. You know, so I thought about this immediately, as you said, that woman who said misogynist or whatever it was and didn't want her portrait taken. It's mm -hmm. almost too personal to have that portrait taken and make that comment. Yeah. Whereas I can almost get, not her, but just that type of individual. If that's the initial response in any real question is to go to the negative rather to the pot rather than to the positive i guarantee you she'll blow up twitter on it though <laughs> yeah right well that, that, what's so interesting too is learning what i learned from like interacting with people too is asking an, like a good question that makes someone stop and think is an extremely powerful tool and mm -hmm. like we're in such a reactionary like dramatic society so it's like, it's so counterintuitive to just be like, Hey, like, what do you think about this? Like people just don't expect that. I don't, I don't know. It's just been really fun to do. Um, because that's exactly it. It's easier for people to go online and be like, I hate this, or this is stupid. I Correct. Get that a lot. It's just, but when I'm actually in their face, it's different. Well, and that's like the whole concept of, you know, in, in the United States, particularly in the last, you know, 10, 15 years with, you know, some of the stereotypes and perceptions maybe that the Islamic community, for example, has yeah. experienced. It's really easy to hate a Muslim if you've never met one. Dude, exactly. <laughs> or enter any 
you know, a gay person or a Hispanic or a, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. You know, I, I was actually talking to one of my friends who grew up in a rural black community in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And he specifically told me how he grew up hating white people, but he had really? never met one until high school. And then he realized, oh, you guys aren't that bad. Again, <laughs> it's, really, it's really easy to demonize people when you, when you're, when you're, when you're grouping it, it's, it's the same as, you know, World War II, we called the Germans Krauts. Yeah. They're not humans. Yeah. They're something that we plant and then cut off and harvest. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that same mindset where you dehumanize, you take the individuality out of somebody, you take the personal responsibility of how you're supposed to treat another human being. Cause you can treat a group completely different than you can treat an individual. No, yeah. I mean, right along those terms of exactly what you're saying, there's been a um, negative attack on masculinity with the the term toxic masculinity and a lot of debate around it. But there's not a balance that's been brought with the people who believe that toxic masculinity is like a, a positive um, addition to the, the vocabulary. And so like I've really tried to spur people to be like, hey, like, let's humanize this. Like, is there healthy masculinity? What does that look like to you if you believe toxic masculinity is appropriate? And it's just like I'm that exact thing of like the dehumanization or the, you know, it's trying to make it into a cookie cutter reality. And I'm like, dude, every guy is so different. Come on. Like, I don't know. It just frustrates me. Well, and I think it goes a little deeper than that. So I actually, so for folks who don't know, my, my wife is actually a special ed teacher. And one of the things you never do in that world is you don't say, you know, the down syndrome kid. You never say that. Yeah. You say the child with down syndrome, the child comes first. Okay. Uh-huh. The, the uh, learning impairment or learning disability is not a defining characteristic of the human being. Exactly. Okay? That's awesome. The, the term toxic masculinity is designed to sow discord. It is not designed for dialogue. The proper way to do it would be masculinity that is toxic. Okay. Cheating on your wife, beating your wife, beating your children, being an alcoholic, being a rapist, being a criminal, being a warmonger. All those can be seen as masculine traits that are toxic. I think every rational human being can agree that those are not good traits, that those are toxic traits. Okay. However, when you say toxic masculinity, you assume that all masculine, masculine traits are toxic. Exactly. Hence, there's no dialogue because what happens is men hear that and they get pissed off and then the conversation's over because you're saying basically, oh, you're saying all everything about me is toxic instead exactly. of saying masculinity yeah. or masculine traits that are toxic. But then there's nuance in the conversation, which doesn't flow really well in the Twitterverse. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where small words are designed and I'm, I'm going on a rant here on purpose. People, you are being manipulated. Okay. Dude, exactly. You're being manipulated, both men and women pay attention to the dialogue that's being shoved down your throat. Take it apart. Stop. Think, have a genuine conversation. It's just ridiculous to me. Um, how much it's been pushed. And it's just, it's a trigger word almost. It's like, you almost have to have a little like cautionary tape on it because I've watched a lot of guys get extremely offended. And I'm like, you do exactly that same thing. Dude, you're just being manipulated. Like, just think about it. Like, oh, Correct. It, 
and anyway. it triggers it triggers guys who are not assholes because they're they're feeling like they're being perceived as monsters and then it triggers other people who've been horribly mistreated by horrible men in their lives men or women exactly and yeah. and then you just end up with this war of words and it, it's it's one of those things where again think about all the positive traits the men in your life have brought in into into your world yeah just even something as simple as teaching you know the younger men in your life hey your word should mean something mhm mm talk about integrity that's what it is being an honorable human being and and it's something that should be for humanity in general not just men but just people so so let me ask you this there, there seems to be a strong struggle to attribute positive traits that only men can do like it, there's a strong desire to define that and i'm not sure if that's like really possible i'm curious like along those lines what your thoughts are i don't think there's exclusive traits that are necessarily masculine and positive but yeah. i do think there are certain traits that are probably more pre prevalent amongst men exactly okay? yeah for example because we can definitely quantify it with negative traits <laughs> the overwhelming majority of the prison population is male it's not even yeah. close Okay. Mm -hmm. That is a very negative masculine. It's not exclusively masculine, but it damn sure is pretty overwhelmingly masculine, right? Yeah. So yes. so there's there's all kinds of different things that, that maybe we can look at. But one thing I wanted to ask you is Yeah. Did you see a difference in the questions that you asked amongst like different cultures and areas and parts of the world that you went to or parts of the country or maybe what somebody's background was? Were, were people more prone to give certain answers or certain perceptions at different times and areas? Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't been able to get as many cultures as I want so far, um, but I, I have like noticed that there is um, an influence from either political beliefs or yeah, geographic, uh, location and, or, or sexual orientation as well. Those, those all are pretty significant, um, let's say influences. And, uh, it, it's been fun to, to see that. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a good way to quantify it. Uh, yeah, may, maybe it's just like, oh man, I'm trying to, yeah, it's it's just something I'm slowly ch still trying to quantify because I think it's a good talking point of like relating to other people and trying to understand their point of perspective because their experience in life has been completely different and that's why their definitions are are um, not aligned uh, with yours um, and so it's like trying to understand where they're coming from. It's it's been really fascinating for myself to to experience, which reminds me of a story. I, I went up to this guy. He looked like a homeless guy or he was either a cook or a homeless guy because he was hella greasy and he was, sitting, <laughs> he, he, was sit, he was sitting outside smoking a cigarette and I was like, oh, he'd be great. And so I go up to him like, hey, man, you know, I'm a photographer and I'd love to interview you and just take your portrait if you got a few minutes. And he's like, yeah, sure. So I, I, I ask him, you know, you know, well, I'm asking everyone the question of if you were to describe what it means to be a man in one word, what would it be and why? And he just kind of like looks down and goes silent. And I'm like, okay, I guess he's thinking. And so I just like pull up my phone because he didn't say like, give me a few minutes or anything. He just went silent. And after, you know, five, 10 minutes, he like starts making a little noise. And I look up from my phone and he has like tears running down his face just a little bit. I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, I I'm sorry, I can't answer your question. I was like, dude, 
no worries. Like, I just thought I'd ask it. No pressure at all. He's like, I can't, I can't ask, I can't ask, answer your question because um, I'm not a man. He says, I, I lost my, my wife and my kids to the bottle. He's like, I'm, I'm not a man. I can't answer your question. And he just sat there. like, Wow. And I was like, dude, don't worry about it. Like, oh my gosh. I, it means so much to me, just this conversation, you know? And it just really, it made me think more than anything. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I just was so tender for him in that moment you know, and to change my perspective. That is a powerful story. Yeah, I know. And it's, it's interesting because he obviously felt like he wasn't a man. Yeah. And, oh man, that, that's heartbreaking to even hear. I don't, did you continue that conversation at all? Or, or how did that change you? Yeah. I mean, we talked for a bit and I was like, it's like, this doesn't define you. Like it's a mistake. You know, we, I tried to, you know, touch base with him, but it obviously destroyed him, his decisions, you know? And so eventually he kind of, he just got up and was like, all right, I got to go. You know, uh, how, how it influenced me was not only it made me sad and tender for the guy, but it was like, it, it blew my mind how easily one question could engage someone to go internal and evaluate their life and then for them to be open with me and I was, and to just have this conversation with this random guy I met sitting on a, you know, a curb pretty much. It just, it, it just made me realize how much I don't know and how I shouldn't just assume things. So. That's so interesting because how often are we actually asked the question that makes us think in our day-to-day -day lives? Not very often. Everything is dumbed down. Yeah. And go ahead. No, yeah, I, I would completely agree. And it, we're not even provoked to think. We're just told what to think. I would Correct. Say. The whole manipulation concept. Yeah. The, the dialogue is discouraged. Just uh, 140 character tweets and yelling at each other and Facebook feeds are encouraged. <laughs> or, or three paragraph comments on Facebook that you're entitled to a response because you took the time to write it. <laughs> It's, if you haven't noticed, I'm, I'm not a, the biggest fan of the social media trap that, that we're building around us. Yeah, I'm not either. Yeah, it's which it's so sad because kind of like the masculinity that is positive and max, masculinity that is toxic thing. Like social media can have so many beautiful positive aspects to it. And then it's like, oh my gosh, this monstrosity. Yeah. What is this crap? Yeah, I think that's what keeps me like I still have accounts, but like it's very hard for me to want to engage because I get so frustrated with the mentality that's perpetuated. It's very it's not conversational, it's very argumentative. Well, I I might have mentioned this on a podcast before, but I actually removed my entire Facebook feed. Really? Um, so I still have a Facebook account, but my Facebook feed is empty. I and didn't know you could do that. It's really effing hard. Okay. So here's what you have to do. You have to go through every single one of your friends and unfollow them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Think about that for a second. <laughs> it so it took me forever. Good, yeah. It took, it took me an entire afternoon, but I, I just got really pissed off at a Facebook comment once. And I was like, you know what? I'm done with this shit. Like there's no reason I shouldn't, yeah. like, why am I even like, putting myself into this? So, but here's what was interesting as I was going through it. So I'm, I'm unfollowing every single person one by one, one by one on my MacBook, just going to town. And I started seeing these people that I hadn't seen post in years. Mm. So I'm thinking, what, like, do they not post? Or did they just disappear? Like, we're obviously still friends. 
Yeah. So I would open up their profiles and they've got all this crap they've posted. And it it kept happening over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I understood the Facebook algorithm. I understand intellectually what it's designed to do. It's designed to engage you, okay? And you're significantly more likely to be engaged with posts that piss you off than posts that don't piss you off, okay? Yeah. But when I realized who, I was seeing the same 20 people on my Facebook feed over and over again out of like, I don't know, 1,800 friends or something stupid like that. Yeah. And it just opened my eyes so aggressively to what they're doing. So, <laughs> so now I'm creating echo chambers of friends pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And echo chambers of arguments and echo chambers of stuff that just pisses you off. And <laughs> yeah. so, so now my feed is completely empty. I'm still friends with everybody because I want to be able to check on folks, stay in touch, et cetera. I want people to be able to see my stuff or reach out to me if they want to. Sure. But my feed is empty. And every time an advertisement pops up on my feed, I report it as inappropriate. Yes. Uh, so too. I've gotten in trouble with Facebook with that. They've been like, please stop reporting. He's not like, stop having advertisements on my feed. It's not rocket science. Yeah. So dude, that's so funny. Cause I've thought about sim- doing something very similar because it, it gets so frustrating to me to see the same 20 people, but it, it, YouTube's doing it as well now too. So like they're, they're really honing in on trying to figure out what you want, but they don't want to give you the, opportunity to actually hear something you don't want to hear um mm, yep. you know it's like oh here's this guy likes snickers like he's gonna get snickers for the rest of his life on this platform you know and i don't it just it's frustrating as hell to me because i just hate that so yeah but then i'm also a hypocrite because i have a podcast and i love apple and facebook and the algorithms when they're advantageous <laughs> to me <laughs> when so they're <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just I call it what it is. I am a hypocrite in that. Like, if it's going to drive sure. traffic to my podcast, but then again, my podcast is designed around actually thinking, so they probably yeah. don't like me too much. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> there's a whole other argument about stuff getting demonetized and whatnot around what's actually good content. So yeah, well, so question for you one one of the things that I really do on the podcast and. Spoiler alert for folks listening. I don't know if they've noticed this or not, but I'll sometimes ask the same question worded differently three times until I get the real answer out of the person. So really your first, your first answer is really the surface level answer. Then the second answer is really where we dive a little deeper. And then the third answer is where, you know, I am extracting your soul out of this. So did you, did you ever re-ask people that question or did you notice that maybe some of the their openness to answering or their openness to conversation would evolve as you would pry a little deeper and, and dig a little deeper with them? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually initially started out by having people write down their answers. And I realized that the conversation was more rich than just what they wrote down. And so I started doing audio recording to dive in and that that's been really fascinating for me to just have those files. I haven't done as many that way because it happened later on. Um, but that allowed me to like evaluate what other questions I could ask. And it was just, it's been really interesting on, on that level of just where it took my mind hearing, re listening to the conversations. Um, and some of my friends who I interviewed very early on, they look back and see their photos and they're, and they tell me they would choose a different word. Um, Obviously, the people that I've met in public, I haven't spoken with and st- again. And so I, I'm not sure exactly if they would change their word. Um, so I, I've had a few people also ask me not to post their photo 
afterwards because they're like, I don't like the word I chose. <laughs> and I was like, well, then why did you choose it? <laughs> it's so weird. So what would your word be? So the word I chose when I started the project was authentic. Ooh, okay. Why? I didn't know at the beginning. And what's <laughs> really fascinating is that word has shown to be extremely true in my own life and and a value or principle that I cling to. And so personally, I think my goal is to be the most authentic I can be, like true to myself and true to those I love. And I've watched that play out over the years. And so seeing that photo of myself has like perpetuated my desire to be that very thing, that unauthentic man. Um, mm. and, and those are the men I'm most drawn to as well. Uh, cause I love reading, you know? And so it's like finding men that I feel are, you know, just crazy businessmen who just go for it and just don't really care about what everyone thinks they should be doing, but just doing what they believe they should do. Stuff like that. I just, I, I'm so gravitated towards. Um, and so the project has actually revealed to me a lot about myself, um, just watching it unravel over the years, you know? Mm. So that is a powerful word. Yeah. I love it, man. I'm just like, cause the, the, the fun part that I give people is like, you choose one word, but you can give me a reason why you chose it. And so going back to the strength or integrity, even though multiple people chose it, the reason mm -hmm. why they chose it is different. And so that's what, that's, what's really fun about it. Um, well, yeah, so. you're, you're going to the second layer of the three questions. Yeah, exactly. So what would be the third layer question for, after, after letting them tell me why they, they chose that word? Yeah. So if you told me authentic, so that's the first question. And then why you tell me that that's what it is. And then you could go even a level deeper and say, well, how do you think that perception of your attraction towards the word authentic with those businessmen and those books is impacting you in the day-to-day -day and your perception of yourself? Mm, that's great. I'm going to answer that because I like go that. Go for it. I, for me, it's put me in bizarre, unique situations. I quit a job as a right-hand man in a family business as an electrician to start my own company. I did that. It was failing. I moved across the world while I was building a second format. And like, I did that all because I just wanted to be true to what I was desiring for my life and not just taking care of other people or like my family. I was like, man, like this is my dream and what I'm doing right now isn't my dream. So I need to start pursuing it. And so I've seen that directly influence my life. And I have no regret of doing that because it's, it's really um, impacted me to travel and to build my own business. So, yeah. So, and that's a great answer. And I, I think that's incredibly powerful because it, it's an impactful answer that, that can help people relate and move to action. So like you said, the, the first question tells you authentic. Okay. Authentic, interesting word. Which mm -hmm. definition of authentic are we talking about? Oh, because you'd like to see these people. Oh, but let's go a step deeper. What does that yeah. actually mean for who Timothy is? Yeah. You know, and, dude, and, I love that. Oh, yeah, it's sorry. it's it's a fantastic way of talking to people, and people don't realize that you're doing it. And now everybody's going to notice it in interviews because I, <laughs> I doing, look, I'm 53 episodes in. I hope people have figured it out by now. But it, it's just a really interesting way of talking to people and truly getting to know people because that's when you get the honest answer is by the third time. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I do coaching too with people, and I'm 
you know, the best type of coach I've personally hired is the one who doesn't tell me what to do, but asks me a question that changes my life. You know, like one guy asked, asked me, he's like, what would your life look like if you weren't trying to make everyone happy? Ooh, I like that. I'd pay five grand for that, right? Like back then, because that, that changed my life. That changed how I thought so much. It was incredible. And so it's just, I love good questions, man. Yeah, I'm a big fan of professional coaches. So I've hired coaches. I've had some of them on actually on the podcast. And it's typically worth the $500 an hour you're paying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you look at the bill and you're like, holy crap, why am I paying for this? And then one word gets said and it changes your life. And you're like, ah, oh, okay. That paid for itself in my business yeah. immediately. Exactly. So, so where do you see the man effect moving forward? I mean, what's the, what's the vision? And I hate this stupid, like, what do you see yourself five years from now? But seriously, where do you see yourself five years from now? Yeah. So the, why I started my business was so that I could create, um, f- extra funding for myself so I could travel and go to other countries and interview people. Um, I would love to get, you know, at least like 10 different countries or something, um, other than the U S maybe more. So I was hoping to what, do that. What's that? I was saying, what, what con- has it just been the U.S. that you've done this project then so far? Uh, I've done the U.S., Denmark, like a couple in Denmark and Serbia. I think I think that's it. I can't remember any other ones off the top of my head. Maybe Sweden. No, I didn't do Sweden. I just did Denmark. So, um, but I would I'd like to get to a point where I can do some art show art shows, you know, and facilitate a place where people can come and look at hundreds of photos and we can just have conversations. And I want to create items that people can take home with them, like their favorite word or favorite photo. Um, Just like, like little Polaroids, essentially. I want to do a whole wall of all my photos. Um, So I'd really like to do that. And I'd also, I'm hoping to, you know, grow into doing like speaking for men. Um, But I'm not at a place where I'm I have the data I want. Like I'm still craving a lot more data and a lot more um, interchange with different people. Because like even even Serbia, it was really interesting to me how different the culture influenced how the uh, the perception of men. Um, and so, just doing that has really um, put a desire into me to go to other countries, some more developed, some lesser developed. And that's that's uh, really interesting to me because. And we've talked about this, like being a Serb myself. Yeah. yeah. I've actually thought about that while we're talking. Like, I wonder how that would have impacted those answers. Cause I can, I know what my answer would be. And, but I don't know how much that would be impacted by the culture I grew up in. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's something to wrestle with almost. I know. I think about that all the time. Even like, I'm like, how much did my, my poor upbringing influence my, my perception, you know, or like, the church I went to when I was a kid. Anyway, that's what yeah. messes with me. But yeah, so that, that's kind of my hope. I want to just grow it. I want to create good free content for men. I might, I might build some online courses. I've thought about that, but my hope is just kind of get more photos, release a, like a photo book and do some art shows and do speaking. So awesome. So yeah. I got to ask you this. You said you're attracted to like, you know, businessmen who go out there and make it happen. I mean, what's your favorite business book that you've read recently? Oh man. Favorite business book. Oh, the the top three or something. No. Yeah. Uh, the most recent good one, a good life changing manager one was the new 
the new one minute manager. It's a short little book and it's, it's about leading your employees through asking questions and emp- helping them empower them. It's really good. Um, Interesting. Yeah. It totally caught me off guard. It's a, it's a short book. I'm, I don't remember the name of it. I listened to one on um, getting funding for a business too. That was really, really um, mentality shifting for me. So, well, here here's my weekly plug for the one thing. Go read the one thing. Oh yeah, that's a phenomenal book too. Yeah, along with, I know I'm really late to the party on this one. I just read it this week. Rich dad, poor dad. Oh yeah, that's a classic too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah, I I read it this week and I was like, holy crap, this is so simple, but it's so genius. I see why it's a cult classic. Yeah, you know, so it, it's it, yeah, that was really fun to read actually. Dude, for perseverance level too, because as you know, like business is just persevering a lot, right? Thinking grow rich really impacted me with the story of the gold mine and how just digging three feet deeper there was more vein, more of a vein, and yeah. uh, that just that changed my life too, uh, in a really good way. Just was like, dude, keep pushing. So, so I fully believe that ninety nine percent of success in business is just sticking around until you get lucky. <laughs> dude, yes, I believe it too. Like, like you just have to stick around long enough until something good happens. Because if you just do it long enough, something good will happen. You're just gonna have to deal with all the bad crap that happens as well. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, man. Like I'm in a, honestly, like I'm not in a great place. You know, I just smashed my head on the ground, like fractured my skull. My whole life got tore up. I moved across the world and my business isn't at a place where it's the cash flow is doing what, what I need it to do. And I'm like, the funny thing is I'm not worried about it at all. I'm like, I'm going to figure this out because I'm not going to give up, you know, and it's just exactly. Like, that's insane for me to feel that way how I am right now. Honestly, it's just bizarre. <laughs> exactly. You can't give up. If there's anybody out there, if you're grinding, if you're working, if you're, you know, struggling, you can't give up. And again, just back to those masculine traits. Exactly. You know, stubbornness yep. can be toxic, but stubbornness can also be positive. Yep. It's, it could be that stubbornness that, leads you into a negative spiral. It could be that stubbornness that says, no, damn it. I'm not giving up. I'm going to work harder to achieve this for my family. Yeah, exactly. I think that comes from per, like personal development and like emotional intelligence though, is knowing, knowing those limits and knowing when it's like time to like, you know, be a dragon and t- time to be, you know, just uh, a safe space. It's Correct. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't really happen with guys who are just rage machines, you know? Um, so, well, and the guys who are rage machines. Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. The guys who are just constant aggressive assholes, very <laughs> rarely, I'm being serious. Very yeah. rarely do people look at that type of man and say, you know what? That is the type of man I want to be. That is the definition of masculinity. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the definition of childishness. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't control Dude. your emotions. Just a temper you, tantrum. Oh my God. Yeah, you you can't control how you treat others. You are incredibly insecure, so you constantly have to bring people down. Like, there's nothing masculine about that. There's nothing good about that. Like, the type of men we strive to be are the men who are comfortable in in their own shoes, who know when to love and know when to uh, fight. And because there's a place for both of those. Yeah, yeah. The men I usually respect the most are generally the quietest, 
And when they speak, people listen. Correct. I just, that's what I like. Correct. Well, let me, uh, we're actually running up on time over here, but I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, Yeah, me too. There's a question. There's a question I ask everybody on the podcast. If you could go back to 18 year old Tim, just wide eyed and bushy tailed, you know, knowing, knowing all that you know, and knowing all that you know about yourself, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself at 18? If you could Mm -hmm. go back and talk to them. Well, the first thing I would say sarcastically is, damn, that's a nice set of hair you got there because I'm bald. <laughs> but uh, after that, I would look at him and I would – right now what I'm going through and I would affirm him in is just don't try to please everyone else. Like pursue your dreams um, and don't be ashamed of it. That's what I would tell myself. Mm, don't be ashamed of pursuing your dreams. I don't think we've had that yet. That's really good. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, that's stuff I'm going through right now, you know? So. Well, and when we're young, we're constantly ashamed of pursuing what we want to pursue. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's this constant sense of insecurity and what people think, but to hell with it, pursue your dreams. I mean, like the man effect, that, that is a stroke of genius to me. The, the story that you have captured via pictures from all across the world is just incredible. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, I love it. Man. I'm I'm glad we got to chat. I'm uh thanks to Paul for introducing us. I'll make sure that everybody gets to see your social media and your your website for the manifest and the notes on the podcast. We'll put this bad boy out. Um again, thanks for coming on for the audience listening. Millennialmanhood.net. Check it out. You got Thank you so Thank you so much for having me too. I really appreciate it. Oh, no. Again, thanks for, thanks for coming on. And I love, like I said, I love the conversation. But again, folks, you want to get a hold of us, millennialmanhoodcip at gmail.com. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.